This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, where we normally discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. But the last time that Craig and I had a traditional The Weekly format podcast was back on March the 17th, 2020, and then COVID-19 hit. So since then, the podcast shifted over to retail expert interviews on COVID-19 to kind of give specific insights to Canadian retailers during that panic time frame. So I think we had about seven interviews that were from our experts that we were able to get together. So hopefully that was useful. But with things starting to reopen in Canada, we thought it was a good time to resume our regular format of the weekly. And we're currently recording on May the 19th, 2020. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening today. Now, as part of our normal format, we would have gone through like the sheer number of readers per article, as well as uh, other ways to, to kind of look at what popular content we would kind of go through. But looking through the last two months of content, a lot of it isn't relevant today. Like the the most read article over that time frame, we had over 50,000 readers for the stores that were closing, malls reducing hours at the end of March. And that's when things were ramping up, panic was setting in, lots of stuff was like completely shutting down. So again, uh, we had a follow-up article uh, to that as well that was 45,000, very well read too. But is there anything you'd want to kind of point out for that, Craig, just to acknowledge it before we move on to current event stuff that's more relevant? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we saw quite a few store closures. Uh, well, it started around, you know, March 17th, around that week. Uh, uh, it became a little bit chaotic. We saw uh, a lot of retailers across the country announcing that they were shutting their stores temporarily. Um, there had been a focused effort in the background to do that. A group of retailers got together and said this is something that would make sense at the time. Uh, the initial time uh, that they'd set these closings for was just two weeks, uh, which kind of became two months. Yeah, it didn't actually resolve as quickly as anyone had hoped, and it just went on for like two months now, unfortunately. They were, you know, certainly around this rather shocking time when we were seeing these stores closing. Uh, you know, we'd seen it in places like China before, but we didn't know that we would be hit that hard in Canada. And- yeah, well, and I'm just looking at after our last major podcast on the 17th of March, um, just looking through the, um, the the timeline of our articles, the first major one that happened was Nordstrom closing out their doors. And we had an article specifically on that, which was well read, but it was like that opened up the floodgates after that point. And we then saw like Hudson Bay closing, Lululemon, all those other big retailers that we didn't have a specific article on, but they it was just like everything ground to a halt, like everyone knows. And uh, so for myself, even just driving through or going through downtown Vancouver, it was very like post-apocalyptic almost everything was boarded up there was like graffiti on it or nice um you know like artwork or something like that to try to make it look a little nicer but still it was really interesting to see so from my side now fast forwarding a month later driving through the downtown may long weekend um in vancouver like hotel vancouver for example has all of that um plywood down and they have all the store displays and Dior and Gucci and stuff like that all back up like mannequins are there products are there so it looks so much better like things are looking up so how are things looking on your side over in Toronto Craig is things looking a little bit better or is it still post-apocalyptic looking? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tuesday store openings, uh, exciting. I know those are retailers that have street front entrances. We're not talking about, say, the shops that would be in a mall yeah. that yeah. would only be accessible from within a mall. But at some point, uh, you know, mall stores will open. British Columbia, I know for sure, uh, 
um, has stores and malls open because uh, Richie Poe had sent some photos over of the uh, CF Richmond Centre just near Vancouver with a bunch of uh, stores uh, that have either opened or are about to open just depending on whenever they're able to figure that out. Uh, I got some really interesting feedback from David Ian Gray. He visited um, a Zara store on Robson Street in Vancouver. It was either Thursday or Friday uh, of last week um, because uh, some of the stores had opened on Robson Street. The province allowed stores to open on, on Thursday. And uh, he was saying that they had almost a record-breaking day in terms of sales. Wow. Uh, you know, the store wasn't packed because there's physical distancing mandates, of course. Right. The product was spaced out uh, more than it typically would be. And he said that actually gave it the appearance of being almost like a luxury store that I thought was uh, quite remarkable. Yeah. But people were coming in and they were shopping. I know that sounds so good because there's so much concern around with a lot of retail experts um, wondering if consumers are going to feel comfortable to be able to go back into a store ever again or soon to be able to start shopping. So great to hear that that is um, kind of happening in Vancouver. Absolutely. It could be because we're less traumatized or impacted by COVID-19, but still like one of our other popular articles was Cadillac Fairview kind of outlining what, um, um, new measures were going to be implemented to kind of roll out. They kind of return to coming into the normalcy of having people come back into shop. So can you tell us a little bit about those measures that were kind of mentioned in that article? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they're doing a few different uh, things, uh, you know, in terms of, of uh, you know, signage, uh, physical distancing. Um, I mean, the reduced hours in the shopping centers may not be the best thing for some people. Uh, but, uh, you know, very heavy sanitization. Um, also, uh, we're to be reporting on some interesting technology that's going to be implemented, uh, hopefully, uh, within shopping center stores and whatnot. So, um, and it wasn't even just Cadillac Fairview. It was just we managed to get an interview with them. Uh, we reached out to Oxford and Ivanhoe Cambridge and, and did not uh, get responses back in time. So really what we wanted to do with that story was to show people what landlords were able to do to uh, open up these spaces again to make them a bit more comfortable. And then with that, again, Holt Renfrew came to us and uh, also provided us with their uh, road plan to reopen stores. Uh, and it's great that these large retailers have a roadmap or a plan to be able to reopen, especially being closed for almost two months now. But for myself reading the articles, it's great that they have a plan that, you know, they're going to be deep cleaning the back areas or going to be cleaning the areas at once a, once a day. That, but like for myself, like going through through that, I was wondering, and I'm wondering if it would help our our listeners too. Like, what is that going to look like? Am I not going to be able to try on clothes any longer? Am I not going to be able to return things? Is it like no cash? Like, is there going to be like security that's going to make sure that I'm not within two meters of other people or like, what is my in-store experience going to tangibly look like um, beyond the bulleted list of a roadmap a, a lot of these retailers are providing for us? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, my understanding, not all dressing rooms and all retailers will be open. Um, some will be, certainly. There'll be sanitization, I think, after each use. I'm not exactly sure how they would do that, to be honest. Uh, they just said sanitization. But um, there's going to be extended um, return periods uh, on product is my understanding for quite a few retailers. So if people say were to even bring something home and try it on at home and not in the store, they could bring it back. But that brings up the quarantining of clothing. Um, what I've seen so far is retailers are, um, if say if someone even just tries on something in the store or um, they return it to try it on at home, uh, they're going to quarantine that product for at least 24 hours. Uh, some retailers, some fashion retailers are quarantining for three days, which uh, is becoming a bit chaotic, I've been told, because 
uh, again, that, you know, the storerooms weren't made for this much in some cases, uh, you know, backroom product that had to sit there. So yeah, fair. And like, is there any like rationale from a scientific perspective or, or otherwise that has come up with uh, keeping stock around for 24 hours? I would expect it's the life of the virus on a surface. Um, oh, fair. And I think we've been talking more about like the clothing retailers, which would then be more cloth and stuff. But you also got electronic retailers, which is hard surfaces and a variety of other surfaces that it's got to be a nightmare for a lot of these retailers to try to figure out how long is it safe to, or should we steam it or should we like just leave it in like a uh, back room? So it's got to be tough. Uh, not being educated in this area or a scientist for that matter, uh, you know, uh, they say that this coronavirus has a limited lifespan on stuff, basically. Um, 24 hours seems maybe a little bit Fast. hasty in terms of, <laughs> I've heard that in some cases it could live for three days on surfaces, but I think they did a study in Japan on some cruise ships. They're doing some cleaning and found it was there for 17 days. I shouldn't say that because I'm going to scare people away from trying out clothing. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I, I think it's meant to uh, correlate with the expectation of how long something is going to live on a surface, if that makes sense. And at the end of the day, like there was another article that was very popular, which I was surprised around, was the fitness industry is going to have to start doing a lot of different things after things start opening up again. Because for me, pre-COVID-19, I could not say enough good things about um, Orange Theory. That's my favorite gym. I have a pandemic spare tire developing around my midsection. So I'm very excited to go to, for going back to the gym for classes and stuff. But like looking at things before COVID-19, there is so many of us crammed in onto rowers on treadmills and stuff like that. So even looking post COVID-19 now, even if they put like a plexiglass divider between each rower, each treadmill, there's a lot of heavy breathing going on. And even if you have to like go around, like, you know, you're still going to have to interact with people, which is going to be difficult for trying to provide a safe environment. So I'm wondering what's your thought on these boutique kind of concepts going forward? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be tough for some fitness concepts. I mean, especially the smaller boutique fitness concepts, mm-hmm. like you said, Orange Theory, Barry's Bootcamp, F45, you know, uh, Row House, all of the other, yeah, uh, you know, smaller fitness yeah. concepts that might be, you know, 1,500 to 3,000 square feet. Uh, they occupy, you know, they have certain occupancy levels that, make money for them. And if those occupancy levels go down, this is going to become challenging for these uh, fitness concepts. And I know that, you know, there are a few solutions out there, perhaps having more sessions with fewer people, uh, um, having some say work from home to classes. Uh, Again, that has to be monetized, obviously, so that the business can keep operating. Um, I saw some interesting pictures today, funny enough, that uh, showed a bunch of treadmills in a row with plexiglass in between each treadmill with people on them. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be widely adopted. I think it was in Europe. It wasn't, you know, because our our gyms here for the most, I don't think any of them are open yet. Well, just to wrap up a lot of this COVID-19, two months that we've been closed for, what is now going forward? What is it looking like for the reopening for each of the different provinces? West to east, uh, British Columbia has allowed some retailers to open actually quite a few of them. Still waiting for things such as, you know, hair salons and whatnot. Um, Alberta's uh, allowed some reopenings, uh, including shopping centers, as well as stores on the street, uh, um, as well as, you know, some food concepts. And we can expect more of this soon. Uh, Saskatchewan has a uh, multi-phase plan to open up the economy, which includes retail. So which means some stores have opened and others are are going to be opening. Uh, uh, Ontario... um, 
stores with street entrances uh, open as of uh, Tuesday the 19th. Uh, uh, we'll see, I think, further openings after that. Quebec, uh, the 25th. Quebec's a little bit of a wild card. It's got, uh, unfortunately, a lot of cases. It's got the most cases of COVID-19 in Canada. It's got the highest uh, number of deaths as well. Um, it could be a little bit more risky for uh, parts of Quebec to open. Um, I'm a bit disappointed. I wanted to go to the opening of Holt Renfrew Ogilvy, which is going to be on the 25th. And uh, going to Montreal, I think, by you know train or plane is probably going to be too risky at this point. So I'm not going to be going. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I know that uh, the opening of Ogilvy Holt Renfrew has been on our books for such a long time. So sorry to hear that. But that also brings us to the point of our last most popular article that was over this last week. And it was the announcement that there were a whole... Uh, the Bay was closing their downtown Edmonton location, which surprised a lot of people. A lot of people are also very sensitive on what's the retail landscape going to look like after the pandemic. So this just seems to be a very sore point. So when you take a look at Hudson Bay in general, it's of course, it's 350 years old. There's a big Canadian legacy there. Um, all the way back from the fur trader days, but it was just recently delisted from the TSX in March 2020, and they just swapped out the CEOs, went private. So, like, so Craig, give us a little bit of information around Hudson Bay closing, COVID 19, all this kind of good stuff. Of what's going on? Because that's got to be a shocker for Edmonton, especially the downtown that just lost their whole Renfrew, as well as other stores like Escada and stuff like that. That's also pulling out of the downtown too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's it's not the best news for downtown Edmonton, obviously. This is the last department store in downtown Edmonton. Uh, when I was younger, there was Eaton's, Woodward's, and Hudson's Bay, as well as Holt Renfrew. I, would, I wouldn't call Holt Renfrew a department store, but, it, you know, it's a larger format fashion retailer. Uh, you know, Woodward's uh, went under and it was 2002, 2003. Uh, it's, it's gone. Eaton's went bankrupt in 1999. Yeah, and being a prairie kid myself, I know that downtown, it was vibrant at one point and has lost all those folks. But like, what is this looking like? What have you heard from folks in the downtown Edmonton, especially with this latest blow news going on? We saw Holt Renfrew close in January, unfortunately. Uh, not a big store, but um, still a bit of a blow in terms of that was the high-end uh, really shopping store in Edmonton. And now losing uh, this 168,000 square foot Hudson Bay store is, uh, it's a bit concerning. Uh, you know, when speaking to downtown Edmonton, uh, this means that the downtown will no longer have department stores. Um, this would put Edmonton more in line with an American mm. city. Is there any reason why the downtown Edmonton store was announced first? Because I know that you said this is the first. Good question. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I spoke to a couple of analysts last year and they were saying that they figured uh, that that store would close. So, you know, it wasn't a total shock to me anyways, but they were figuring that there could be a redevelopment play for that site. Uh, Edmonton City Centre that would be the Western half, uh, is fairly low down. I mean, that Hudson Bay store is two levels above ground. Uh, right by, there's a hotel, which is fairly low rise. Um, just looking at the property and then looking at the fact that the rest of the retail on that side of the mall isn't really anything spectacular or special. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that part of the mall was demolished and uh, a tower was put in its place as well as something a little taller and denser because a consortium of four business groups purchased that uh, Edmonton City Centre from Oxford Properties last year. And um, again, they're going to want to make money off of that. And just looking at the retail that's there alone, as well as the hotel, it really doesn't capitalize on the on the land as much as it could. So my expectation is that there's going to be density in terms of a 
demolition and something built that's much bigger than what's there right now. So the fact that it was downtown Edmonton did surprise me. Mm. Um, We would think Winnipeg would be first. I mean, that store hasn't done well and they've downsized it from, I think, eight retail levels to two. Mm. Uh, But um, that building is a little trickier. It's a heritage building. Uh, They just kind of don't know what to do with it. I mean, the building almost has a negative value in terms of it needs uh, very substantial updates, which would be costly. 675,000 square feet with gigantic floor plates that are probably about 80,000 square feet each with no light well down the middle. So um, its uses are somewhat limited. I think they tried to give it to the University of Manitoba and they didn't even want it. So (laughs) it's it's just tough. Some real estate is worth more than others and and some real estate, you know, is a white elephant in terms of its value, which means that it, uh, uh, you know, could almost have a negative value. It's not something that's valuable in its current state. Looking into the Edmonton side of the fence, what is the HBC strategy likely going to look like for all the other stores that are still there? Because it wasn't just the one location in the downtown. There was others, right? There will be five remaining stores in the Edmonton area that include Southgate, which would be the number one kind of flagship for Edmonton, if you can call it that, as well as West Edmonton Mall, Kingsway, um, London Dairy uh, Shopping Center, which also has a beautiful Simon store, as well as the St. Albert mm. Center. St. Albert is a little city just kind of North. in the northwest of, of Edmonton and, and that currently has a bay. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of those bay stores close in Edmonton. I mean, the Edmonton market probably could be served quite well with two good Hudson's Bay stores and not six yeah. Spread mediocre out. ones and one pretty decent one at Southgate, essentially. And West Edmonton Mall's uh, Hudson Bay store really needs a renovation. Is Kingsway is a little bit better. Uh, I mean, London Dairy, I don't honestly think should be open. But uh, West Edmonton Mall, just being the showpiece that it is for tu- tourists, or at least before COVID-19, uh, it really should have been renovated 10 years ago. Mm. And just to wrap up the whole HBC article before we wrap up the podcast, what is your thought or nuggets of HBC's strategy across Canada going forward, not just focusing on this Edmonton one location that's closing? Yeah, two things. I mean, I think fewer stores. Uh, again, I'm not sure what that timeline would be, but I th- what I've been told is that there's a possibility that, well, not even a possibility, that, that the company's looking at doing a concession model for its departments. So uh, things such as footwear, jewelry, lingerie, uh, would be run by third-party vendors. So um, again, I don't have a lot of details to be able to comment further, but it does sound like there's going to be a bit of a business strategy shift uh, in order to close some of these stores. I'm not sure if there's going to have to be some sort of a filing. Uh, as you mentioned, the company uh, uh, was publicly traded and uh, became private. So it remains to be seen what's going to happen there. But uh, one thing I do know is, uh, for example, I know the company's recently applied to redevelop its downtown Montreal store. This hasn't been reported anywhere yet, as far as I'm aware. And um, there would still be a base store there that they would renovate, but they're looking at actually putting office and residential on the site. So back on um, the Maisonneuve side, which is the back end of the store, where they were going to put a Saks Fifth Avenue at one time, they canceled that project. Uh, they would put a tower that could span... Uh, 15, when 12, 20, uh, almost 400 feet tall. So um, doing, because I still think in feet and my source gave it to me in, in meters. That was Maxime, by the way, the source, <laughs> Maxime Frechette. But oh, okay. uh, so there may be some redevelopment of some Bay properties. But uh, again, the details are quite new. I'm going to have to reach out to uh, Hudson's Bay and see if they'll comment or provide anything further. If not, I think we may even have enough to go on for a story uh, at this time. But uh, just knowing that bit of information, uh, there could be some interesting stuff in the works. And that could include something with the Vancouver store. It, it would be tough because it's a historical building that was built in phases. But uh, nevertheless, there could be some sort of a uh, 
development potential there for, for something. I just don't know what that would be. I just wouldn't see a big skyscraper coming out of the middle of that store. I just don't know if that would be possible, but who knows? I'm not an engineer. <laughs> well, and I think that's pretty much a wrap for this week, Craig. So thanks for going through this popular content over the last two months, but that's like two months worth of COVID-19, as well as for this week, we had uh, HBC closing the downtown uh, Edmonton location. So again, thanks again. We want to remind everyone that we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every morning that has exclusive links to our published content, like two to four every weekday, as well as a link to our, our curious news from around the web that we've done from the day before. So if you go to retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom. And thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please do subscribe to be notified when new episodes come out. But also if you have a moment to give us a review on wherever you get your podcast from, that would be very much appreciated too. So thanks again for listening. Stay well, stay healthy. And thanks again and chat with you next week. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great week ahead.